Well, this morning we'll be in 1 John chapter 2, continuing our series in the letters of John. So if you'd open up your Bibles there uh, before we begin, that would be great. And uh, today, uh, because the lighting is so low out there, I can't see anybody. All right, so I'm, I'm going to really need to hear you today. So if there's something you agree with, go ahead and say amen, uh, you know, shout, holler, Micah, do something, you know, clap, I'll take it, right? Uh, but, but yeah, just, just help me out a little bit. But I do like to see if people are tracking with me by nodding their heads and stuff like that, and I can't see that today. So um, just, just help me out if you would. But uh, last weekend was a, was a pretty awesome week, right? Jeremy mentioned it a little bit, and, and Jeremy went and sh- should have just preached today um, because, you know, we do need to check ourselves and where do we find our identity um, and, and, and those types of things and, and what does come out of our mouth in all situations. Um, is it the praise of our Lord Jesus or is it something else? And so uh, thanks for that challenge this morning, Jeremy. That was totally awesome. Um, but last week we had Disciple Now students. Did you ever get, catch up on rest and all that kind of stuff? An amazing weekend for our students where they got to spend the weekend together, diving into God's word, building relationships with one another, um, encouraging one another uh, through that weekend. And that, that was great. And then the Chiefs played and we won. Yeah, totally, right? It was a very exciting time for our city and for us. And if you watch the game anything like I did, you spent the entire time on the edge of your seat, right? Because you're like, yes, we're going to win this. It's 7-3. We've got this. And then later on in the game, you're like, man, you don't ever say we're going to lose, but we might not win this, right? And, and then from there on out, if you're anything like me, you just yell at the screen telling them to cross the yellow line. Like, why are you running away from the yellow line? And, and, and I get it. They don't see the yellow line like we do. But um, just amazing. It was an amazing week. And probably emotionally, um, it was a good week because everything seemed to be going your way. Right? And, and I mean, the Chiefs won. The, you know, pitchers and pitchers report, you know, this week. It's, it, everything's going my way. Um, and when time's going well in life, we tend to say that God is good. But when life doesn't offer rainbows and unicorns, we feel as though we are surrounded by darkness. And then what happens? We begin to question, right? We begin to question, God, where are you? And there's a big problem in our society today that tends to allow emotions and feelings to control one's understanding of truth one's understanding of the truth of God's goodness and grace, and then ultimately the gospel. And since we live in a post-Christian culture, we are surrounded by people that want to run their own lives, who want to go with what feels good, and then ultimately want to assemble their own truth, right? Whether it's true or not. And so with this mindset of letting emotions and feelings control our our, our mind, we create a picture of God's character, right? His goodness and his love and actions, what he allows and disallows on if things in our life are going well or not, instead of the truth of who God is and of his gospel. And so last week we read in 1 John chapter 2, Verses, 15, uh, verses 12 through 17, 
And, and, and part of what we read is there in 15, uh, 15 through 17, talking about not loving the things of the world and that the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And what tends to happen is we get so caught up in the pursuit of fleeting pleasures of this world that we lose sight of God. So we get so caught up in the chiefs that we lose sight of who gives us ultimate joy. We get so caught up in our careers that we lose sight of God. We get so caught up in our education that we lose sight of God. We get so caught up in our sports, in our future dreams that we lose sight of God. And as we continue to read in this letter that John wrote, uh, he's going to continue to warn us of what's to come. So we'll see that here in chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, 21. So he warns us of what's to come, but not only what's to come, but what's already here. And then we look and see how to respond. So if you're in your Bibles, please, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. If you need your flashlight out from your phone, pull that out, or it'll be up on the screen. So here we go. John writes, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. In verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Would you join me in prayer? Father, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray, Father, that my words are filtered through your word. And Father, that we would hear nothing but what you have to say to us. Guide us together. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient to what you're calling us to do today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So one thing that we must never forget as followers of Christ is that we have an adversary. Right? We have someone that is always against us. So only in the letter of John do we see this term antichrist, and we see it in verse 18, where he says, and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming. So where have they heard about this antichrist? Well, most likely it's from Thessalonians that Paul wrote, um, where he calls out the man of lawlessness. But this idea of one that is in opposition to God is nothing new. Um, we've seen this from the beginning in Genesis. But then all throughout history, we have seen where people are trying to identify the Antichrist. Calling out the Pope, calling out Napoleon, Mussolini, Hitler. And I even read uh, in one of my commentaries that Ronald Wilson Reagan was considered once because each of his names was made up of six letters each. Right? So pulling for, for whatever might be identified as the Antichrist. 
But John's focus here is not for the coming of the Antichrist, but for the many Antichrists that are already here. And for every age of the church, it is more important that we identify the, and it's more important that we identify the Antichrists that are here than identifying the Antichrist to come. Because look at who's being targeted here. Is it people outside of the church? No. No, the, anti, the many Antichrists are targeting us. They're targeting the church. And so as we look at this term Antichrist, we can see that it has two meanings. Antichrist is, is a Greek preposition which can either mean against or in place of. So the Antichrist can either mean the opponent of Christ or the one who seeks to put himself in place of Christ. And we don't need to choose between these meanings uh, because the Antichrist can act in either way. And so John states that there are many Antichrists. Well, who are these Antichrists? And that's a great question. So, so read with me in verse 19. They went out from us. Who's they? They are the Antichrist. But they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So those that were reading John's letter had recently seen people leave the church. And these people, uh, these are people that outwardly displayed a belonging to the church. At one point, they were being baptized in the same water, uh, breaking the same bread, amening the same ideas from the pulpit, right? But these people walked away. They left. And I don't believe that these people were ones that said, you know, John, I don't appreciate the preaching here. Or, you know, the student ministry. Uh, you know, that Micah guy. Yeah, not, not taking it, right? I, I don't believe they left and went to another church. No, these are people that have walked away from the faith. They abandoned the apostles' teaching of salvation through Christ for something new to believe in. They were anti Christ, replacing the truths of Christ with something else. Or another way to state it, allowing the fleeing pleasures of this world to become their God. So John says that if they were of us, they would have continued with us. And this implies that those who are truly saved will never abandon the teaching of salvation through Christ alone. Okay, let me make sure we all caught that. John implies here that those who are truly saved will never abandon the teaching of salvation through Christ alone. Christ talks about this in his parables of the sower in, in Luke chapter 8. The parable is not about the sower, but the soil in which the seed falls. And the seed is the, is the good news. It's the message of the gospel. And the soil is the human heart in which the seed falls. And the first path... Um, the first seed falls on the, on the path where the message of the gospel is never heard. The second is the rocky soil. And this is the message that is heard but never grows because it has no roots. It never perseveres because all it had was an intellectual idea of faith. Third is the soil with weeds and it hears the message. And then it's choked out by the cares of the world. 
And then finally, fourth, is the good news, or the good soil that hears the message of the gospel, produces fruit, and perseveres. So what we see here from the beginning in verses uh, 18 and 19 is that you can know and reject the truth. You can know and reject the truth. And after spending 20 years in ministry, I have known many that are anti-Christs. Those who have once led in leadership positions, sang on worship teams, prayed earnestly with me, saw God do amazing things, and simply walked away. They rejected the truth. They rejected the truth for what fit their agenda. They rejected the truth for a feeling. They rejected the truth for their own image of who God should be in their life. And I'm sure many of you know of people who have walked away and rejected the truth. They might be children. They might be parents. They might be family members, dear friends, those who were once of us. And as I prepared this message and, and thought about people in my past, and as I prayed for them, I just continued to ask my, God, what do I need to do? How do I need to respond? How do I need to reach out? How do I not just share the, the truth intellectually, but live it out before them and show them how Christ has impacted my life? Because I believe these people are lost. So these people left the church and they were persuaded to leave, thinking they were pursuing some greater knowledge. Salvation that was Jesus plus something or something found somewhere else. Thinking I can find salvation in some other thing. A knowledge that the church didn't offer. And the truth of the matter is, is these people were unmasked. As you, as you look in this letter, these people were unmasked, revealing that they were never really of us. And John was stating this that this is one way in which God makes it clear of who is a real Christ follower and who is not. We break up this uh, text in, in two sections, verses 18 and 19, and so now we move on to verse 20 and 21. And John, you, you see there in verse 21 where it says, but you. But you, this is, this is not the first time that we've seen this in John's letter uh, where he talks about them and then he says, but you, right? These, these are those people and their decisions and their actions, but you. And so what does he say? He says, but you are not antichrists. Those that are against Christ are creating a new version of who Christ should be. But you are of the truth. You have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who makes the things of the Lord known to you. So John is pointing out to them that I'm not worried about you because you are living in all of the knowledge of the truth. You know all the things that pertain to salvation. And those truths can be seen in the fact that you are still connected, actively serving, living out the truth. And John, just like Paul in many places, is writing as a reminder to his audience that what you need is not a new truth. You don't need a burning in the bosom. You don't need a new mystery. What all the antichrists are chasing after. But to continue to put into practice the truth that they already knew. 
You don't need that. Just continue to put into practice the truth that you already know. So what we see here is our second point. You can know and continue in the truth. So if we have two options, you can know and reject the truth, or you can know and continue in the truth. And persevering is in the truth can quite possibly be one of the most difficult things to do in the Christian life. Agree? Persevering in your faith. It's easy to fall into the rut of cultural Christianity. It's easy to fall into the rut of simply collecting your jewels and placing them on your heavenly crown in your own head and and serving occasionally, starting a Bible reading plan in January, putting money in an offering plate. And we just get caught in this rut of just activity as opposed to a relationship with Jesus. And when we get caught in that rut, what I've seen over the past years in ministry is that many people begin to go, God, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this, this religious activity. What am I missing out on? Why am I not hearing from you anymore, Lord? Why am I not finding joy like I once had? And this is a very dangerous place if you find yourself in this, in this situation. So please listen up. If you're in this situation now or, or hopefully not find yourself in the future. But all the things that are opposed to God, the many antichrists, begin to trickle in during this time when we question God. Sin begins to look right. Feelings trump truth. Self becomes glorified. And then we begin to look to God and we say, God, show me a sign. Give me a feeling that that says you are real. And when that time comes, we must remind ourselves of the things that we learned in the beginning. We must remind ourselves of the gospel. We must remind ourselves of the truth that we heard from the beginning. Jesus is so much more than simply the one who meets our felt needs. He does meet those needs, but he's so much more. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is so much more. And so we must know the truth of who Jesus is when those times come in our life. We must recognize the power that Jesus gives when when we find ourselves questioning the Lord and being attacked by the Antichrist. Because what we believe in Jesus has eternal consequences. If we believe false teaching about mathematics, guess what? The consequences are I get the answer wrong. Students, ever been there? Right? Get the answer wrong? Yep, that was me all the time. If we believe false teaching about science, our understanding of the universe and its workings become incorrect and the consequence is a misunderstanding. If we believe false teaching about business, the consequence is bad economics. But if we don't have the right beliefs about who Christ is and what he has done in our lives, it impacts eternity. its consequence is eternity on us because there is no life apart from Christ 
If we're wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what we're right about. Our belief about Jesus has eternal consequences. So since we're in the last hour, this is jumping back up to verse 18, the time between Christ's coming and his return, that's the last hour. Let us take every opportunity to live in the truth of the gospel. The gospel is way bigger than I believe, therefore I'm saved. The gospel transforms your life. The gospel increases our joy and changes how we see the world around us. So if you're a believer here this morning and you feel stuck, saying, God, there, there's got to be more than this. I want you to try one thing. As you read God's word, be obedient to what he's telling you about. If he calls you to love, go love. If he calls you to give, go give. If he calls you to repent, go repent. Be obedient to what the Lord is speaking to you about. You do not need more information. You don't need more knowledge. What you need is to be transformed by the doing of his word. We can read that in James chapter 2. If you believe that you're not ready to be used by God, listen to me right here. God is not in love with some future version of you. Do you hear me? God is not in love with some future version of you. He is in love with you right now and is ready to use you to change the world. Allow him to do so. And if you know you're living in the truth and your walk with the Lord is, is strong and God tells you, hey, do something. Pursue it. If he calls you to do missions, go do missions. If he calls you to give sacrificially, give sacrificially. If he calls you to start a Bible study, start a Bible study. If he calls you to reach out to our community, start reaching out to our community. If he calls you to meet the needs of those with less, start meeting those needs. Don't wait for it to show up in the church bulletin. Don't hand off your calling to somebody else. Allow God to work through you by just living out your faith. And then finally, if you're sitting here this morning and you have never made a transformational decision to follow Jesus, it's a decision that will change your life forever. Amen? Amen. Anybody else, right? It will change your life forever. This decision doesn't make sense to the world around us, but it will begin to change the world around you. And I urge you to make that decision, to call out to Jesus and admit that you're a sinner living far from God. And believe that Jesus is the Son of God and gave his life so that you may be able to enter into God's eternal presence. And then finally, commit your life to following him all your days. This is not a decision that's meant to be taken lightly because it will cost you everything. But talk to anybody who said amen and they will fill you in on all the gaps that of misunderstanding that you might have. If you need to have a conversation with somebody today, please, there'll be men up here at the end of our service. I'll be back in the back. I'd love to talk to you more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. If you're walking in that shadow, that darkness right now where you're just like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where, why can't I see you? Why can't I feel you? Come talk to me. I'd love to disciple you through that process of being obedient to the Lord. God has so much to offer. Don't miss out on what he wants to do in your life. 
Join me in prayer.